0: I don't know if you saw on Facebook, or on YouTube, or on Facebook, sending you to YouTube, or whatever. There was this advertisement about this movie theater in Japan. And the people were sitting there watching the screen, and on the screen was a video of a car going down the road. Now, the driver of the car must have had the camera on his head or hat or something. Because that was the view. It was the driver's view out the windshield. You didn't see the driver. He just saw the car going down the road. And the people in the theater were sitting there for about 20 or 30 seconds. And they were just watching the video. Now, I don't know how they did this. But all of a sudden, somebody texted everybody in the audience. They must have had Wi-Fi or something, but everybody's phone started going off. And you saw the lights of all the phones in the theater. And they showed a picture of all these people looking down at their phone. Then on the screen, the car veered off the road and smashed into a tree to show everybody what texting does. When you're driving. I thought, gee, that's that's a good analogy. Today's message, keep your eyes on the road. The title really came from a scripture that I read. Would you stand up with me while I read one verse? Romans chapter 1, verse 1. A servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to, would you say that with me? Separated to, separated to the gospel of God. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you that you have us on a road, on a path, that you have separated us to this road to be going someplace. For something. This is your work. You built the road. You put us on the road. You gave us a heart to want to be on the road. It's all you, Lord. Help us to tune in to what you're saying to us about this road and how we are to move down the road. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When we think of the word separated, I think we most often think that we're separated away from something. We're cut off from something. But that's not what this scripture says. That's for us. We are not cut off from something, we're not separated from something. We're separated to something. We need to focus on where we're going to, not where we've come from. It's not wise for us to concentrate on where we came from. In fact, many times it's downright dangerous, just like when you're driving a car. We don't drive along and stare into the rear-view mirror. Have you ever done that? Have you ever even glanced at the rear-view mirror? Then you look up and you go, Whoa! I didn't know that was there. Sometimes it only takes a split second. But certainly, we're never to stare into the rear-view mirror bad things happen. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, Jesus talks about this. Now, there wasn't rear-view mirrors on camels. So he didn't really use the term rear-view mirror. But that's really what he's talking about here in Luke Chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. He talks to three people about their walk with Him. The road that they're supposed to be on. Now, I'm not going to talk about the first two guys this morning. That's in verse 57 and 59. I I'm going to skip down to verse 62... Because here's a 61, let's say. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me use the word fit here for just a minute. The Hebrew word really means well-placed or appropriate. No one who having put his hand to the plow and looking back is in a good place or in an appropriate place for the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, don't stare into the rear view mirror. That's not where the kingdom is, and that's not where you're going to be right in the kingdom of God. You see, he was trying to tell this guy, if you have human affections tied to the past, you're going to be drawn away from where you need to go if you want to follow Jesus. It's that inward opposition thing. You're torn between God, I want to be with you. I want to do God's stuff. I want to be with Jesus. I love the Lord. I know He has something for me. I'm going to go for it. But then there's this opposite pull of the things of the past that take our eyes off the road and into the rearview mirror. And if we stare there, if we stay there, sometimes, even for a short amount of time, we're in trouble. Something bad's going to happen. You know, in James 1.8, it says, a double-minded person, a person who is torn in two directions... Is unstable in all. What do you think the word all means? Say aloud. Yeah. Is unstable in all his ways. If we're not focused properly, every part of our life is going to be affected. Unstable. Lord, I want to be stable. I can't live in an unstable world. Did you ever try to live for a time in an unstable world? It drives you insane. I'm not not using that word lightly. It drives you insane. If you stay there. Now, let me read it. We should take the occasional glimpse in the rear-view mirror. Nothing wrong with looking in the rear-view mirror. It's there for a purpose. I'm not going out to my van and rip the rear-view mirrors off and take the one off the windshield because I don't want to look behind me. I might get in trouble. No, they're there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. And when they're used properly, it's okay. However, our focus should never stay in the rear-view mirror. You see, our heart, if we focus on the rear view mirror, our heart is torn. And many times our heart stays back there. We can't live in the kingdom of God with a heart for Jesus if half a heart is back there. We want to have our heart directed towards the Lord. Our heart has to stay with us. So, where are, is our longing? What are we longing for? Are we longing to focus on the Lord and all the promises He's given us and all the miracles He's done for us that proves His love for us? I want to long for that. Or, or, do we look in the rearview mirror and we long Our heart longs for what's there. These longings don't even have to be for good things. Look at Israel. They left Egypt. God split the Red Sea. They walked through the Red Sea. They looked at that and said, Oh, that was a good job. Thanks, Lord. Walk along. They're in the wilderness. You know what they said halfway through the wilderness? Oh, I wish I was back in Egypt. Hello? Hello? You were in bondage. You were being whipped. You had to make bricks without straw. Why would you want that? Because they weren't looking in faith at the God who was giving them daily bread. Water from a rock. Hello! (laughs) Their focus was wrong. And they started pining, wanting the things of the past which weren't even good for them. Stupid Israel. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like that. (laughs) And if I was back there, I would have spoke up and told them a thing or two. Yeah. What are our attachments to the past? What do we long for? Sometimes it's not even good for us. I need some help talking about this because I'm going to make sure I speak right. So I'm going to ask my wife, Ginny, to come up here. Thank you, dear. She's all excited about this, as you can see. You see, I I don't even see stuff from our past correctly sometimes. I need her perspective.
1: What are you laughing about? You sure
2: you want my perspective? (laughs) Okay.
0: What are our attachments to the past? Number one, how about this friends? Friends in the past. Now, when we were going through counseling, we were only going through counseling because we were trained as, being trained as counselors, and in order to do that, you had to go through the counseling. We really didn't need it. <coughs> but, you know, our, our trainer, he spoke something over us about friends, and this really helped us. Remember that? What was
2: it? Um. That we had really, really, really good friends, but we were moving into a new place and those friends weren't going to go with us, Um, but we were going to have other friends in the future. Even better friends. That Not better, but because I don't know if better is a good word. But we would just have really close friends.
0: People we didn't even know at the time, he said.
2: People we didn't even know at the time.
0: So we had a choice to make. We're going to move down the road. Do we look in the rearview mirror and pine for those friends and those relationships that we had to let go in order to go to the next place that God had for us? was a hard decision. Well, it was circumstances
2: that came in that we had to let go of people. We couldn't hang on to them. It wasn't good for us or them.
0: I remember meeting with one of my best friends. I had, I said, let's go out for lunch. So we were talking, eating lunch, and he looked at me and said, Tim, you've got something to say to me, don't you? I said, yes, I do. I said... Ginny and I can't meet with you and your wife anymore. This is what God has for us. This is what we're pressing into. We can't. We've got to change some things. And our focus needs to be right there. And he looked at me and he said, what proved his friendship to me, I understand. Okay. And we looked at each other and said, I love you. We're still friends today. How many years later? Fifteen years later? Twenty years later? But we don't see them much at all.
2: But they had a path to walk on, and so did we. And it didn't change the love we had for one another. Mm -hmm. and still is there today, even though
0: we've gone to many different churches. Together. together. Different churches together. (laughs) We've gone to different churches together. Anyway. Another attachment to the past. Stuff. Stuff. we got a great big stuff right now that we cannot stay attached to. And that's our house. We've lived there 37 years. 38 in August. We think... We've worked through enough emotion and enough of the decision-making that we're ready to go. A lot of our stuff is gone, either in the junk pile out in the driveway or given away or put back downstairs here where it belongs. What did we work through with our house? We were just sitting out in the patio yesterday reading the Bible just look on, going man this place is pretty what a nice backyard the patio and the landscaping and the woods and the house with the new siding and the windows and it's just a nice place think we're ready to go? yes <laughs> we think we're ready now the last time we walk uh, drive down the driveway I'll probably shed a tear or two but we are looking forward to what God has for us in this next place. There might be a person there who needs us. One person.
2: Right. There's nothing wrong with looking back and musing on the, the greatness of God and where we've been.
0: That's my note Oh, that's here. next. No, <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. No. You know, Say that again.
2: There's nothing wrong with looking back and musing on the greatness of God and the things he's done in the places we've been. I mean, that is a a good thing.
0: We're going to look back and say, God, you sold that house to that person at that specific time. And it worked out perfectly right. We're still waiting for that. We're not waiting anxiously. We're not upset. But we're just waiting. But we know that's what's going to happen because that's God. How about ministry? We have attachments to ministry of the past. As a church plant pastor, you kind of get involved in the church you're planting. I mean, really involved. You do everything. Your hands are in everything. Your fingers are in every person's life in one way or another. So we planted a church. Two years later, the sending church said, without our knowledge, without our input into the decision-making process at all, your church is going to be merged with another church. We had to let go of that ministry opportunity. And by the way, that church was a whole lot of fun. It was doing really well. We loved each other. We were having a great time together. It was fun. Right, Sarah? It was fun. Just plain fun. We were having a good time. And I felt I was growing in my ministry, and here I thought, okay, I've got to resign. Which I did. And because I resigned from that particular church, and that's the church I was ordained in, I had to give up my ordination. I was no longer ordained pastor. And I thought, well, I'll never be a pastor again. Well, that's not what God had in mind. But this church closing helped us learn how to let go of ministry. Four years later, four years later, in 2008, this church was planted. And just before it was planted, I thought, here we're going to be, again, missionaries to Hyde Park, just like we were last time. Wait a minute, wait a minute, missionaries to Hyde Park, somebody preached a series on that. Oh, yeah, it was me. So I went out and got my old tapes. It was the next to the last series that I preached before that church, my church was closed. So I listened to the series again. And you know what I learned? I could have preached that message right then. I could have preached it in 2008. My heart was the same as it was in 2004. But here's what God said. Tim, Tim, I closed the church I closed it because your heart was there at that time and if you had continued the way you were going little by little degree by degree you were going off course and about four years later you wouldn't be anywhere near here now where your heart was then so I closed it and here we are now and your heart is the same and you're ready Of course, in between, we went. (coughs) I hate roller coasters. (laughs) We went through four years of healing. Wes and Verna Clemmer brought us through a healing time, and we couldn't have ever, ever planted Bridge Builders Community Church without that healing time. And without that roller coaster ride. But we're not attached to Valley Christian Church Hyde Park. We look in the rearview mirror and glance at it and go, oh boy, that was a good time. Sarah Aguilar was fun back then. She led kids church. She did a great job. She was only how old? Eighteen? Wow. Whoops, I just gave away your age. <laughs> That's okay. We made some great friendships then. Some of them. Let me see, is anybody from Valley Christian Church Hyde Park here besides Sarah? Sarah. is. So.
2: Yeah. We still have many great
0: friends, though, from so there. many great friends. Mm-hmm. How about this? Attachments to the past. Experiences. Experiences that cause us to live with certain patterns either positive or negative patterns, because this is what's happened to me, this is what I think, so this is the way I behave because of what I think. And sometimes, people, the things we think don't even line up with God's Word. But our experiences, we have allowed to dominate where we are, how we think, and what we do, instead of the truth of God. And you know what these things are called? You've probably heard this term before. You know me. Ungodly beliefs. Raise your hand if you have an ungodly belief. Would you all raise your hand, please? (laughs) We all got at least one. We live by them. Because we believe certain things because of what's happened to us, because of hurts. Now, I'll tell you what, were we hurt after Valley Christian Church Hyde Park closed? Yes. Yes. Very, very, very deeply. Maybe the deepest, no, not the deepest you've ever been hurt. No. No, but it was deep.
2: Yeah, but we learned a lot through that. And I think God helped us to see how you, you need to let go of the past to move on to where he has for you today and um, some of the people that went to that church plant were some of our best friends and
0: And um, leadership with us yeah
2: and to work through all of that um, to have some of your friends say they hated you and they never wanted to be with you again and then have them come back and have dinner and say
0: years later yeah
2: God told me I couldn't do that I have to love you (laughs) and see him restore those things but it allowed us that um to see how to let go of things in a healthy way. And that was a really good thing.
0: We couldn't do it by ourselves.
2: No. And when we used to visit the Clemmers, I still remember walking out of their house and looking at Tim saying, they don't even know us. Why do you think they love us so much? But they just loved us and loved us and loved us.
0: We're talking about years, a few years of recovery. I don't know. Maybe there's a shorter way to go through it if you have a deeper belief and trust in God than we did. Maybe that's true. I know that there are, I know a couple of people who would look at me and say that that's true. But that's not where we were at the time. We weren't mature enough pastoring to go through it any more quickly than we did. I remember the first time we went to the Clemmer's after the church closed remember that one Mm -hmm. I think Tim talked
2: for eight hours straight
0: yep and Wes took notes (laughs) he stayed up that night wrote up his notes got up in the morning and met with us and said this is what happened to you this is what really happened here's what you're going here's what you're feeling now what are we going to do about it now that we know what it is it takes a lot of forgiveness because if you don't do that you end up angry. Right? Anger is just a cover-up for the hurt. And the hurt is just a cover-up for grief. So if we don't get healed of these things, if we keep looking in the rear-view mirror and looking at it the wrong way, you know, some of those rear-view mirrors have that objects in this are closer than they really say because it's distorted a little bit on purpose we look in a rearview mirror we see a distorted picture of the past if we see it through hurt and anger we're going to see things the way they are not really it's going to do something to us inside it's going to make us sick in our soul, in our body and in our spirit so we have to be very very careful now I've learned how to handle my anger Yes
2: Thank you
1: <laughs> Thank you She said yes
0: Yes <laughs> You see My house Had dent holes in the refrigerator Had holes in the wall My car Had dents in it From me Punching everything out I punched out my car I used to stand in front of the mirror And punch myself out there so much anger Sad, sad, sad. It's sad, sad. But it was covering up all the sadness and grief that I didn't even know how to deal with.
2: And some of that was before you knew the Lord also.
0: Yeah, it was still there. So God was, through these experiences, God was trying to reveal to me how to stay on the right road and look to Him as the answer and not look back. Because it doesn't help to look back. You can't go back and change it. All the thing you can do is try to go back and look with a healthy Mindset, and you can only get that mindset from God by His Holy Spirit, who heals us of these kinds of hurts and gives us the right focus so we don't have to stare into the rear view mirror, we can look there and, like you said, muse muse on the mighty deeds of God. We look back and say, God, we're healed.
2: And I I think as um, we walk through the healing, too, we shared with other people around us what God had showed us. And as we're walking along getting healed, we're bringing people along with us, too, that had been through similar things as we had, and they were getting healed, too. And then taking on what they were picking up from us and going to whoever was around them and sharing it with them. So you see how God's body works. You don't want to forget everything, but you want to bring it forward with you as you're going through the process of God's love healing you,
0: which is a process. So, where's our eyes (coughs) focused? We're separated to something. Our eyes have to be focused down the road. The word says, like Paul says, press on. Press on to be full grown, mature. He says, I've been captured by the Lord. I've been grasped by Christ so that I want to grasp Him. See, Christ grasped me first. I didn't say, Lord, I want you. He said, Tim, I want you. So He grasped the hold of me and I want to grasp back. Because we're moving on to a prize. In Corinthians it says, we want an imperishable prize. See, in Paul's day, they had these Olympics, sort of. And if you won an event, you got a crown. This crown was made of laurel, which is a plant, woven together. This laurel wreath was the crown. Paul says, that's a perishable crown. I want to press on down the road so I can get the imperishable crown. What's the imperishable crown? Being conformed into the image of Jesus. Being in His kingdom with Him even while I'm here on earth. There's a a saying, I rest on my laurels. I rest on my laurels. That comes from that laurel wreath. If I rest on the victories that I've already had or the defeats, if I rest there, I can't move on. I don't want to rest on my laurels. (laughs) I want to rest in the knowledge I'm a son of God. I'm a brother of Jesus Christ. And I can rest in that and still move down the road and get to where I'm supposed to be. How do I know the road I'm supposed to be on? Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God, isn't it? Verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we stay in the Word, stay connected with God, with His truth, we're going to easily see the road that we're supposed to be on. William Barclay writes a commentary. Here's one of the sentences he wrote The Christian marches on, not to the sunset, but to the dawn. The Christian marches on, not to the sunset, but to the dawn. We're not going to the end of something. We're going to the beginning of something. Oh, I know, the earth as it is now is going to come to an end. But it's going to come to an end so that it can be rebuilt. There's going to be a new earth. A new heaven. We're on our way up. I don't care what the United States looks like. Fortunately, I'm not going to focus On the United States, even though I'm a citizen here, I'm going to be as good a citizen as I can be. That's not where my focus is. My focus is on the road that leads here towards God. When I was 38 years old, when I decided to follow Jesus, I started down that road... Somebody told me that the path that leads to heaven would not be an easy way. Well, I found that to be true, but I also found out there's no better place on earth than the road that leads to heaven. No other place I'd rather be. Well, I know this road has a final destination, but I also know if we're only looking for the prize that's waiting, we'll miss so much along the way. Because Jesus came to give us life in the here and now. And to show us that there's no better place on earth than the road that leads to heaven. No better place I'd rather be. I know this path we travel on is very straight and narrow. But I've looked down at other roads along the way. And from what I've seen, I can say without a doubt, there's no better place on earth than the road that leads to heaven. No place I'd rather be.